Hello, you are listening to the Secular Buddhism Podcast, and this is episode number 33. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about heaven and hell. Welcome back to the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that focuses on Buddhist concepts, topics, and teachings presented for a secular-minded audience. The Dalai Lama has said, do not try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. Use it to be a better whatever you already are. If you're new to secular Buddhism or you are interested in learning more, check out my book, Secular Buddhism, Eastern Thought for Western Minds. It's available as paperback on Amazon, ebook, Kindle, and iBook on iTunes, and also as an audiobook on audible.com. For more information and for links to the book versions, visit secularbuddhism.com. So let's jump into this week's topic. So the last couple of weeks, I have been reading a book called Zen Koans by Guillaume Kubose, and it's been a fascinating experience to become familiar with uh, Zen koans. On the website Elephant Journal, Don Deanda talks about koans and says the koan serves as a surgical tool used to cut into and then break through the mind of the practitioner. Koans aren't just puzzles that your mind figures out suddenly and proclaims, aha, the answer is three. Uh, They wait for you to open enough to allow the space necessary for them to enter into your depths, the inner regions beyond knowing. So essentially what that means is the, the koan is meant to help break out of the conceptual way of thinking and into more of an experiential understanding of a specific topic. So the specific koan that I read this week that really resonated with me and stuck with me, and I decided I wanted to share it in this podcast episode, is a koan called the Gate of, uh, the Gate of Paradise. A soldier comes to visit a famous Zen master, Hakuin, and the soldier asks, is there really a heaven and a hell? And the Zen master replies, who are you? The soldier says, I am a samurai. You, a samurai? What kind of lord would have you as his guard? You look like a beggar. And the soldier starts to get angry and becomes so enraged that he's about to draw his sword. And the the Zen master continues and he says, Ooh, so you have a sword? It's probably too dull to even cut my head. And at this point, the soldier is just indignant and he brandishes his sword. And then the Zen master says, Here, open the gates of hell. And the soldier immediately recognizes the wisdom in those words, and he puts his sword away, and the the Zen master says, Here, open the gates of heaven. So it's just a short story that's kind of conveying the idea, the Buddhist understanding of uh, heaven and hell. And I love the way the Zen master does this, because rather than answering the question, he shows he shows the soldier these states. He induces them into the very mind of, of the questioner. So rather than having a theoretical discussion of what is heaven or what is hell, he's showing him the reality in that moment by allowing the soldier to experience his anger and turning that anger almost into hatred. And then he's able to uh, 
when he realizes that that's what he's doing, he instantly uh, is able to sheath the sword or to control his anger. And that's also the experiential understanding of what it is to be in heaven, um, to, to be able to control uh, your emotions. And Guillaume Kubose in his book that goes on to say uh, about this koan that uh, heaven and hell are the contents of our everyday life. So here we have this neat little story that I think does a really good job of helping us to understand the understanding that heaven and hell are here and now. These are states that we experience in the present moment. And furthermore, we are the gatekeepers uh, of you know the gate to heaven or the gate to hell. And I've thought about uh, this a lot many times uh, when I when I felt just like that soldier, you know. And I think every time that I've ever felt that, uh, it was my ego that was being offended or hurt or criticized or questioned. And I love knowing that I myself am the gatekeeper of my own paradise and of my own hell. And what's interesting when I think about instances in my life when I felt like that, uh, every single one without exception that I've been able to recall or think about is an instance where it's my ego that's on the line. It's the ego that is so sensitive to being criticized. You know, to, for someone like the Zen master to say, who are you? It's like the ego's like, who are you to think, who am I? Um, and it's when that when the ego self is attacked that way, we instantly start to experience what in this koan is kind of described as that that sense of hell. And I bring up the example many times about getting cut off by a car because it's it's something that we've all experienced. And if you think about it in that moment, usually what makes it so um, frustrating, it doesn't have to do with with time. You know, we might think that it does, but I don't think that what's happening is we get cut off and we're all thinking, hey, you just robbed me of five seconds. We know that we can make up that time by uh, increasing our speed for the next minute or something like it's not it's not about that even though it may seem like I'm in a rush but if you're honest with yourself when I evaluate myself in this example I think what's really happening is you're thinking how dare you do that to me like don't you know that I am an important person and you shouldn't just be cutting me off um, because I'm, I'm me. I'm right here. What are you doing? It's an attack on me, the ego me, not just the me that's driving along. And when that ego is removed, you start to look at a scenario like that. And, and, and what is there to be offended at? It's, I got slowed down. It doesn't matter if it was a person or if it was, a you know, something that got in the road, a tree that fell or a, an animal that got in the road. All the, the results in all those scenarios could be the same. I had to stomp on my brakes or I had to swerve. And now I'm five seconds behind the schedule that, that I was on. But when it's a person, this is an attack on what I perceive as my ego, myself, the sense of self. And I think that's what makes it so uh, difficult to work with in these scenarios. And that's in my understanding, that's probably what this soldier was experiencing. It's an attack on, on his ego. And I think that's a very quick way to open 
the the gates of hell, so to speak. So I would invite you to take a minute and think about instances in your life when you felt like this soldier, uh, when you felt uh, any form of anger that's at risk of turning into hatred, and see if you can pinpoint in what way is the ego attached to that story, and is the ego the culprit of feeling so hurt or offended or um, you know whatever emotion you're experiencing with that uh, criticized um, and and see if like me you find that the ego is what was attached there that's kind of the the common denominator in these uh, instances um, we've all experienced anger every single one of us and you've probably also heard the expression that's often attributed to the Buddha. Uh, how, however, it's not an actual quote from the Buddha, but the the quote says, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the only one who gets burned. Um, there's a The expression, I think, comes from a monk named Buddha Gosa, and he was discussing anger, and he says, by doing this, you are like a man who wants to hit another and picks up a burning ember or excrement in his hand and so first burns himself or makes himself stink. And I like Budagosa's version because uh, I think it's easy for us to imagine you know, somebody right there next to you holding a hot coal waiting to throw it at someone, the burning ember, um, but it's hard to see how that really affects me. If you're standing right next to me, you're holding this coal because you're angry at someone and you're waiting to throw it at them. You know, I could be looking at that scenario and thinking, well, that's unfortunate. You're burning your hand. You know, if you would just let go of that, it would stop hurting. Uh, but I like Buddha Gosas because he, he mentions not just the burning ember, but also excrement and how uh, he makes himself stink. And that to me is a little bit more indicative of what it's like to be around when someone is around me, for example, if I were experiencing this type of anger that I'm holding on to that I want to let go of, there's the the stink that he talks about. Now that affects the people around you. And I think we all know someone like this who, who maybe is uh, holding on to anger or is vengeful or has, um, you know, their anger makes them difficult to be around in the same way that it would be uncomfortable being around someone who smells of excrement. You'd say, you know, that's affecting me now because I'm standing too close to you. And I think anger can can cause a similar aversion almost where you're like, oh, I don't want to be around this person because they're just, they're not pleasant to be around in the same way that it would not be pleasant to be around someone who, who's stinky. So I kind of like that correlation of, of the ember, it's burning me if I'm holding it, but I'm also the stinky one if I'm holding on to it, and others around me are going to start to notice that, and they may not want to be around me so much. Um, so don't pick up the burning ember, don't uh, pick up the excrement, uh, and make yourself stinky. Now, sure, this is a lot easier said than done, um, but how do we go about actually not doing it? Well, that's that's the tricky part. And I think this is where it becomes uh, a matter of introspection for you. How do you drop that coal, that burning ember or that, that excrement? Um, that's for you to decide. And I think that's kind of the point of this koan 
you know, the soldier was able to experience what did it feel like to sheath the sword, to put the sword back and say, huh, I'm not going to allow myself to go that far. That's when the Zen master says, here, open the gates of heaven. Uh, Because the soldier was noticing, wow, I had the ability to calm myself down and not want to chop your head off. So I'm putting the sword away. And that's, that's the start of it. That's the gate. Um, so you are the gatekeeper of your own heaven or hell. That to me is the essence of, of what's being taught here. Now that can only be experienced by you. Uh, you know, when you're in one place or when you're in the other, and it's not about somebody telling you saying you you should feel this way, or you should feel that way, because then you could pretend, but pretending doesn't get you there. I could pretend that I'm no longer in, in, this state of hell, I'm putting myself in the state of heaven and pretend that all I want. But if I'm not actually there, I'm, I'm not actually there. And that's kind of what this koan I think is trying to get us to experience is that in a very experiential way, we know when we're in one or when we're in the other, but only we know. And so the answer to, you know, how do we actually get there? That's, to me, that's the, the part of the koan that that's for you to figure out. Um, I think meditation plays a big part here. You know, we talk about this often with the whole premise of mindfulness is creating that space between stimulus and reaction. That space is where we have the freedom to decide, well, here's the trigger, but I choose how to react here. I'm not going to Uh, allow my habitual reactivity to put me in a state of anger that puts me at risk of of experiencing hatred because that's entering my own hell you know what what mindfulness allows us to do is to have a greater sense of understanding of what's happening and to remove the ego from that equation and then at that point like we say no self no problem right and if i can remove my ego from that equation well then what is there to even be offended uh you know, you could call me whatever you'd want to call me and I'm not going to respond to it. Not because I'm pretending and saying, huh, that didn't bother me. You know, if, if it's bothering you, it's bothering you. So rather than pretending that it's not, that's where you want to get very introspective and say, how interesting this is really affecting me. Why, why does it affect me if somebody calls me this or if somebody does that, uh, you know, that's for you to analyze and become introspective with. And I think the threefold mindfulness meditation is a powerful technique uh, to be able to do that. Um, But my question for you and question for myself is what gates are we opening today? What gates are open right now? Um, Only you know where you stand and only you uh, have the keys to open and close the gates to heaven and hell. And I like a a quote by Pema Chodron who says, the most difficult times for many of us are the ones we give ourselves. Because isn't that the truth? I think about that a lot. And the difficult times that I've experienced, um, not all of them, but many of them, I can look at and say, huh, in what way have I given myself these difficult times? And like I said, this isn't always the case, but in many times, it is the case. And uh, hopefully I like to imagine now and knowing that 
if I am the gatekeeper and I am the one who holds the keys, now the responsibility is on me rather than blaming circumstances or blaming specific people. Uh, I'm the one who decides uh, when I am going to open and walk through the gates of heaven or the ones or the gates uh, of hell. Um, so that's my invitation to you with this koan, uh, like the Zen master who who allows the questioner to experience in a very experiential way uh, what heaven and hell actually are. The question of is what you know what is the reality of is there really a heaven and hell? Ask yourself that. Is there? I'm sure you know the answer because you've been in both. You've experienced both at one time or another. What caused you to feel uh, in one versus the other? And what I found, again, for me personally, when the ego is not attached, those are the moments that I would equate to being in heaven. These are moments where you're kind of uh, in a state of flow almost, or uh, where suddenly it's just not about me. It's about something greater than me. You know, these are moments where um, holding my a newborn um, or doing humanitarian work or doing something that puts me beyond just me. These are moments that you experience uh, just joy and happiness and contentment in a way that it has to be because the ego has been so detached in those moments. It's not about me. And the moments where I feel the opposite, what I would equate to hellish moments uh, like I said earlier, every single one that I've analyzed, I've concluded it's because the ego was very attached to that moment. And the suffering that was coming from it was uh, almost a direct attack on the ego itself. Like, how could how could this person have done this to me? Don't they, don't they know who I am? Or, you know, how dare you call me that or cut me off or me or mine? always fits in very nice with these scenarios of, of, uh, hellish moments or hell. Um, so those were the thoughts I wanted to share with you guys. I think this is kind of a shorter episode, but, um, I wanted to make sure that uh, I shared something this week. So again, ask yourself, uh, in what way am I the gatekeeper to my own heaven, to my own hell? And when you're experiencing these in, in day-to-day living, see if you can, make that pause between the stimulus and reaction. Oftentimes it's right after the the reaction that you can pause and say, Oh, that's what I just did. Um, but that's still good because noticing that you just noticed is a form of awareness. Um, and ask yourself, you know, these moments of heaven or these moments of hell that happen in the here and now in the present moment, what are they for me? How do I experience one? And why do I experience the other and be introspective with it? What are the, the causes of these moments when I experience this feeling or that feeling? And um, and see what you can find. This koan is here uh, for you to get introspective and to find the answer to yourself. And something I wanted to, to end with in this podcast episode that I came across that I really enjoyed is a, a statement of intent uh, rendered by Sharon Salzberg. She's a, a Buddhist teacher and does a lot of writing for uh, Lion's Roar. Um, and I I can't remember exactly where I came across this, but it's, it's a statement of intent. Um, it's kind of a a thought that you keep with you. Um, so rather than having like a, 
a form of prayer, like the Buddhist form of prayer, is is usually something like this: a statement of intent that's kind of internal. It's a, it's a reminder of me of what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. But anyway, this statement of intent, she says, uh, may the actions that I take toward the good, toward understanding myself, toward being more peaceful, be of benefit to all beings everywhere. And I really like that. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please feel free to share it with others, write a review or give it a rating in iTunes. And of course, if you're in a position to be able to, uh, I would appreciate uh, if you could consider making a one-time donation or becoming a monthly contributor to the podcast by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the donate button at the top of the web page. Uh, so that's all I have for this week, and I will uh, look forward to recording another episode next week. Until next time. Mm-hmm.